Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 65 of the Wealthier Together Podcast. Can you believe it's November already? I definitely can't. And I know that this season has really put a crunch on people's finances and people's financial health. So today's interview is with Anna Holleran, and she's a financial coach, and she helps individuals and couples really repair their relationship with money. Anna Holleran is a personal finance coach and owner of FICA Finance. She walks alongside individuals and couples in their financial journey, giving them tools and support needed to have a stress-free and enjoyable relationship with money. So hi, Anna. How are you doing today? Hi, thank you, Blessing. I'm really happy to be here. So can you tell us a little bit of how you entered the world of finance? Yeah, so this story actually brings us all the way back to my childhood. So I actually grew up in a very unique home that talked about money pretty openly, honestly, and it wasn't a necessarily a tense topic in my home, but it was also a very, uh, my parents were very honest about kind of how their finances were going. And so it was, to me, it was just very normal to talk about. I feel like that really sparked my interest in all finance. It kind of showed me that you can have a healthy relationship with money, even when things aren't always going great. So kind of as I went through school and came into my young adult years and started earning my own money, having a career, I just became more and more interested in personal finance. And I kind of became the person that my friends and family would come to when they had questions or they just needed some help with their with their budgeting or needed some advice on investing or and things like that. And so it just kind of grew and grew. And the more that I would learn, the more interested that I became. And I just eventually really found a, that there was just this huge need for financial coaches. So, you know, we have financial planners that help people with, um, you know, project, um, you know, future helping them with their future of finance, you know, setting those long-term goals. And then, you know, we have accountants and things like that, that help people with their past, but there wasn't really, there was a, there wasn't really anyone to help people with the here and now of, you know, how do I pay off this debt? How do I live within my means? How do I create a budget? And so that's when I started um, my company and I kind of turned my quote unquote hobby into a a business in order to be able to serve more people. And so that's really my goal is to give people clear and accurate information, walk alongside them, be their support system, and really show them that they can have a healthy relationship with money. And it doesn't have to be, it's, you know, it's difficult, but it doesn't have to be stressful. People don't like talking about their finances. And most people grew up in homes where finances were not talked about, or if they were talked about, it was talked about in a negative way. And so I'm sure that you have to do a lot of mindset work with the clients that you work with, because we all, or some of us bring that with us. And it's until it's addressed, it's difficult to move forward. Yeah, definitely. We all, we all carry something with us in relationship, in relation to money that always seems to come up, whether I try to dig for it or not. And what I actually have found is that people really want to talk about money. They just don't, sometimes they don't know where to start or they don't want to sound stupid and ask a silly question. So I think sometimes just having someone that they know that they can talk to openly. And I always assure them like, these, these are not silly questions. You know, 
a lot of people have the same questions. They're just afraid to ask or they, they feel like they'll sound stupid. So I like, I love opening the doors and just allowing people to talk about money in hopes that, you know, maybe someday it won't be such a taboo topic. That makes, that makes perfect sense. It shouldn't be taboo, but there are many things that shouldn't be taboo that are. Yeah. So how can women choose faith over fear when dealing with their finances? You've already talked about a few things that keep people back or keep them from wanting to openly discuss their finances. What are some ways that they can really step into that without being, without entertaining fear? Yeah, that's a great question. I would just say, step kind of stepping back a more broad perspective Whenever we make decisions out of fear, they're typically not our best decisions. So, you know, I'm sure we can all look back and think of times that we made kind of a drastic decision because we were scared and it probably wasn't the best decision that we've ever made. The problem is there's so much out there trying to scare us. So, you know, the the scary headlines um, that are there to, to get clicks, you know, something like, you know, six things you should have done with your money by the time you're 30 or 35 or 40. It seems to, they seem to always know your age, right? Yeah. Um, but they're there to scare you. You know, if you watch the news, uh, you know, the stock market is plummeting and the world is always ending. It seems to always be the same story. So what I, what I tell my clients is when you feel like you need to act quickly out of fear, I just challenge them to really slow down and look at the situation as if fear wasn't a factor, you know, what decision then would they make? And then we can weave into this, you know, from a faith perspective, the Bible makes it pretty clear that we don't need to be afraid. I love the verse 2 Timothy 1.7, which says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And um, it's funny because I was, I was recently reading this verse and I, I always, for some reason, thought that this verse was talking about our spirit, but it's actually talking about the Holy Spirit that God has given us. And so God has given us Holy Spirit as a free gift, right? When we believe and we, now we don't have to be afraid. So we don't need to be tossed to and fro, you know, by all the economic winds that are, and, you know, be afraid and need to make all these drastic decisions because we have we have God and we have the Holy Spirit. So I would just say, whenever you find yourself feeling overly afraid because of something you read or some something that somebody told you, you know, slow down, take a breath, say a prayer, and ask yourself, you know, what decision would you be making if you had nothing to fear? Because in the end, God provides all, for all of our needs. You know, we we know that all of this in the end is temporary, and yeah, we really don't have anything that we need to fear. That's good. And I like the way you referred to the verse in 2 Timothy. And I think the version that I read in place of self-control, it's sound mind. And I think that is a really, really important thing. Because if we're always looking to people who are selling doom and gloom, because that's basically what they're doing, and then you purchase it, and then you find out you're deeper in debt, it's not helpful. So your tip about really stepping back and saying, would I make this decision if I wasn't afraid or if some emotion wasn't attached to it. I think that so many people would not be in as much debt they're in or you know, not have as much negative relationship with money because 
what I found is when I talk with people about money in those rare instances, just, you know, when it comes up in conversation, a lot of emotions are always attached to it. Mm-hmm. Fear is always the big one, but there, there are always emotions attached to it. And if you're operating from a sound mind, you're not driven by your emotions. You acknowledge them, you know, they're there, but they don't drive your decisions because we don't make good decisions when we're with our emotions. We really don't. Right. Mm-hmm. So how are some ways that women can recession proof their finances. So, you know, this is something that people always talk about. And I think it is good to, again, not to dwell on the news, but to also know that we are responsible for planning for our future as much as we can. So what are some ways that women can recession proof their finances? So I would actually say that there's no way to recession proof your finances, specifically from we're talking from an investment perspective, which I'm, I'm not an investment professional, but, but, I, but I do know a fair amount about it. And, you know, the market's going to go up and it's going to go down and the economy is going to go up and it's going to go down. And I think that the best way to prepare is to focus on recession proofing your life. So your whole financial picture, and you can do that um, in a few different ways. And I think that these three ways really lay the foundation uh, to go into a time like a recession. And they have to be done, you know, during a time of uh, a time when we're not in a recession. So practice these during a time of, I guess you could say prosperity to prepare you for, for, for a time of recession. And that would be living below your means, having an emergency fund specifically for lost income, like a lot of us are experiencing right now, and operating with minimal debt. So, you know, the fewer payments that you have a month, the better. And so those are things that that I would recommend. And I know when we think of recession-proofing our finances, we think of like, oh, what are, you know, the investments that we can have that won't go down when the market goes down. But, you know, that kind of stuff, it's just, it makes it sound way more complicated than it is. I just think that the best thing that you can do is really set yourself up to where you're in a situation where when the hard times hit, you're prepared as much as you can be. And, you know, those hard times will be typically be, you know, loss of income, unexpected expenses and things like that. I'm glad that you mentioned this, just these basics, because that's really what I had in mind. Because at the end of the day, you can get as fancy as you want if you want to be looking at, you know, your investments. But there are, like you mentioned, these, these habits that you need to form are important in general, regardless. And if you follow them, like living below your means, definitely having the emergency fund and, you know, operating with minimal debt, those things help you regardless. And if you can master those basics, you should be able to deal with investments and, you know, other complex financial issues. Yeah. And I mean, I think what I love about this plan is that it basically means you're going to be living the same, you know, when a recession or hard times hit as you are when you're in a time of prosperity. So it's, it's really practicing those muscles of self-control, you know, living below your means is, is not always easy and it's not always fun. But if you are doing that when you don't need to be, then it's a lot easier to do that um, when you really do need to be. And it'll just, it'll just set you up for such a better outcome. But we are going through uh, difficult times than if you have to scramble and change your lifestyle, sell a bunch of stuff and do different things like that. That's true. So 
should women save or invest during uncertain times? So let's say that you have one woman and she followed your basics. She's you know living below her means, she has an emergency fund, she's operating with minimal debt, and you have another woman who didn't quite master those basics. What what advice would you give to the woman who, you know, mastered those basics and what advice would you give to the person who was not able to master those basics? Yeah, that's a good question. So typically, um, I'll tell people to keep doing what they're doing, regardless of the times. While in some situations, you do need to lean more heavily on saving cash than investing. So if some, in your example, the woman that is, you know, has her emergency fund set up, is living below her means, is currently has little or no debt, and is also investing for retirement, I would tell her to continue doing what she's doing in an uncertain time, unless there's something like an impending layoff at her company. You know, she's a single income household, she's an independent contractor, you know, maybe there's something going on in her industry. Things like that may, may require a larger portion, may require her to shift things around a little bit um, to have a little bit more cash on hand. A lot of it has to do with an individual situation. For the person, so I, I would switch that a little bit for the, for the woman that maybe doesn't have an emergency fund or doesn't have a lot, that during an uncertain time, I would recommend that she work on just building up her emergency fund or using any extra cash that she has to pay off her debts or live on if that's what she needs. So I wouldn't focus on investing. And, and I know that this is really hard. It can feel like you're being pulled in so many different directions, but you know, sometimes you just have to tune out the outside voices and just think about what you need to do. You know, like does, if having a little bit more money in your emergency fund helps you sleep better at night, then that's okay. And if you're a little bit more risk averse and you're okay with having a little less in there and you want to invest in a time when prices are low, that's okay too. So it's really an individual based on individual situations, but that's kind of the general guidance that I usually give. Basically at the end of the day, the advice that you would give is really just tailored to the woman and her specific circumstances and situation. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So how can women manage their financial health? So, you know, everyone's talking about, everyone focuses on physical health, mental, emotional, all of that, but we don't always focus on financial health, even though it, it really does directly affect emotional, mental, physical mm -hmm. health. So how, what are some ways that women can manage their financial health? Yeah. So there's a few key ways I think that women can manage their financial health. One is to just remember that personal finance is personal. You know, everyone's journey and everyone's situation is so different just because somebody else, you know, another woman that they know is doing something one way doesn't mean that you have to do it that way. Your journey is going to be so unique and it, it's not going to look like anybody else's. And I think that's okay. And I think that's a, that's, that's just good to like start off with and remember. Um, I would say another one is don't be afraid to ask for help. We all need support and accountability. Like I said earlier, there's really no stupid questions. And if you're thinking that you don't know something that everyone else knows, you're, it's probably everybody else doesn't know it and they wanna know the answer too. They're just probably also afraid to ask the question. And a, another big one that, that I would say is forgive yourself for past money mistakes that you've made. You know, we've all made mistakes. We all wish that we could go back and change something, but we can't. We can't go into the past and change it. 
all that we can do is learn from it. You know, if you've, you know, done something that you regret, whether it's gotten into debt or, you know, spent too much on something, just learn from it and move on, you know, acting another emotion that we act out a lot of is out of guilt. It's really same as fear. It just is not productive. And I think just forgiving yourself is a really important step to take before you can move on. I think that's good. And I think that you, I'm glad that you mentioned the guilt. That's another driver, especially for women. Mm-hmm. We feel guilty for things that we don't need to feel guilty for. And I'm 100% sure that that is the same case uh, in finances. So what are some tips to help women be better stewards of their finances? So we know you talked about investing. Well, we touched on investing and making sure we have our emergency fund. But in regards to our faith life, how can we be better stewards of our finances? Yeah. I mean, I think number one is to educate ourselves. You know, I hear from so many people, actually, especially women, that just kind of say, well, I'm not good at this money stuff. So I don't know what to do. And, and the truth is personal finance is a skill and it can be learned and it, it can be researched and you can educate yourself. And I honestly think that we all have the responsibility to do that in order to steward our money that God has given us. And so I think that that's really number one. And, you know, I know that a lot of times, especially if you're in a couple, sometimes one person is a little better at it than the other. I think that that's okay, but I also think that it should be a partnership and both people should be involved and understand what they're doing with their money. And I think that that's really important. You really, you don't need to be an Excel spreadsheet super freak that counts every penny and is the biggest tightwad to be educated and informed and confident about what you're doing with your money. And you will feel so much better about what you're doing with your money when you understand it and when you feel good about the fact that it is a tool that is, it's a tool that is helping you reach your goals instead of, you know, a slave driver that's just keeping you wrapped in this, you know, this wheel all the time. I would also say that um, something that I've really learned over the years is that with however little or much you have, how you spend and save and give says a lot about where you're at spiritually. And so even if you're not, you know, in the place financially or income wise where you want to be, you know, still give and save and spend faithfully in that time. And that will build those muscles to be able to do that when, you know, when you're at a higher income or when you're at a, in a better financial situation. I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people think that, oh, you know, if I give now, I don't really have that much. They assume that if they don't develop the skill when they don't have a lot, that they're suddenly going to miraculously develop it when they have a lot. And studies have shown that that is not the case. Again, it's those small decisions that you make consistently that you'll continue to make whenever, regardless of whatever financial situation you're in. Because there are some people that have been extremely wealthy and lost it but they had those basics and they've built it back up. So I think it's good that you mentioned that so that there is hope out there. There is hope. Yeah. And I think that just proves that it all comes down back to your heart. You know, if you have very little to give and you're giving, you know, out of obedience to God and, you know, from, from a a faithful heart, I think that that's a lot more important than, you know, waiting until you have more to give. Because it, it honestly doesn't get easier. The more that you make, really just the more, <laughs> the more complicated it gets. And so, yeah, building those practices 
early on is really important. How do you work with clients? So just give me a quick example of a the quick process that you do when you're working with clients. Yeah, so, so clients typically come to me when they're in a situation where, you know, they might earn a really good income, but they still just feel, they just feel broke every month. They have a lot of debt. I like to work with um, messy situations. So I, I like when there's just a lot going on and we can really just lay it out and organize it and look at it kind of from a bird's eye view. But typically what I do is I bring all of my clients through an intensive session where we, they do their homework. I do my homework. We come together and we're able to just look at their whole financial situation. So we look at, you know, their income, their expenses, their debt, their goals, what is stressing them out? You know, where do they feel like they're at? And we kind of look at that all together and we assess the situation. I think that for me, that's the really the most important step because we can't move forward with achieving anything until we know exactly where we're at. So I bring all clients through that session initially. And then from there, if they feel like they they're going to continue to need support and accountability and some tools, then we, we set up additional sessions. So this can go for three months, five months, seven months, however long that they want to work together. And we typically meet every other week and we start with creating a budget. A lot of it is really dependent on where they're at, how much of a crisis mode they're in. You know, do they need, do we need to work on getting bills paid next week? Or, you know, are they caught up on everything and we can really look at some long-term, more long-term planning. So it kind of depends on their situation, but that's the typical flow that we go, that I go through with my clients. Okay, great. And I'm glad that you like those messy situations because some people won't reach out because they're like, oh, my financial life is a mess. So yes, Anna uh, loves it. So go ahead and reach <laughs> out. So how can we find out more about you? Yeah, you can visit my website at Fika Finance. That's F-I-K-A finance.com. I have some information there and the ability to book an appointment. And I also have a blog with some resources. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Wealthier Together podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and share this podcast with a friend.